1: Good morning, Rutherford County. Absolutely gorgeous outside. No snow on the ground, even though the county schools are closed this morning, Greg.
2: Oh, I didn't realize that. Is it a holiday?
1: Uh, yeah, a holiday? because supposedly some of the roads are still iced over out in the, in the county. And of course, everybody knows my buddy Greg Tucker and uh, probably one of the more famous people in Rutherford County. But, you know, I lost one of my good friends just recently, and I would say he's done more or did more for Murfreesboro than anybody else in my lifetime, as far as um, making Murfreesboro one of the top cities uh, in the country. But he he uh, he did a lot for people personal wise and all the other things. He 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 almost would. Be called Mr. Murfreesboro if Tommy Martin had not been uh, had that name back uh, in those old days. But he he always had um, special reasons for doing all the things that uh, he had to uh, be in command of, you might say. You're and talking, I never will forget.
2: You're talking, of course, about Roger. Roger
1: Haley, Haley. Uh-huh. who
2: for many years was our city manager.
1: Yes. And I never will forget, he called me one day, and he said, uh, Truman, he said, I've got a problem, and I want to ask you about it. And I said, okay, let's go with it. He said, the city is talking about not doing any more funeral escorts. And Roger, being a big hometown boy, and he had been part of the uh, the community for many many years and uh he said what are you gonna what would you do about it I says, well if you guys do that then it'll all be on our backs because we're not going to uh, discontinue doing that because we do it for the people in our community that uh they need that kind of respect given back to them so um I said um That's how I feel about it. And he says, would you please be at a meeting uh, and meet me over there because we're going to bring that before uh, the council. And uh, so I said, okay, I'll be there. And then um, the city uh, gave their view, and they had heard, uh, I think it was in Chattanooga at one of their meetings, that uh, uh, they could be held liable. Uh, if if an accident happens while they're leading the uh, uh, procession. And uh, they felt like it would be better if they discontinued it. And uh, then Roger asked me, and I told him, well, it's going to put a hardship on us because um, we really don't have the manpower to lead all the processions out for all the funeral uh, companies here in Rutherford County, but we're going to continue doing it. We're not going to stop because... We feel like that uh, we need to honor the people in our community and their family, and there's nothing that that will make uh, family and friends feel better than to see people that are coming and going on the streets that you're traveling on to pull over, and and a lot of them have put their hands on their hearts w- when you go by, and uh, that was a way that, and, and so. They voted to uh, continue doing it. But the, the thing that that was part of Rogers, he, he he led with his mind and he led with his heart. And that's what you need in, in uh, these southern communities like we're blessed to live in. And, and this is one of the greatest places to live anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. And people like Roger made it possible for that, for us to have that.
2: Roger was a native son. Yes. And I think that made a difference in the leadership he was giving the city. I know several of his cousins, the Puckets, the Jernigans, as well as the Haley's.
1: Yeah, his uh, his family relationship is pretty widespread around here. And um, I do want to mention that... uh, one of my favorite ladies that worked with us over at the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department, Sandra Cullen, uh, who is a UT graduate and uh, um, one of the brightest, nicest uh, ladies that I have ever known, Uh, her husband, uh, Gail, passed away early this morning. And uh, I put in a prayer for Sandra and Gail this morning because they're very, very special people.
2: Well, let's see, today is also the anniversary of a birth, which used to be, in our lifetime, a national holiday. GW. Yeah, George Washington's birthday. Yeah. uh, February 22nd. Uh, And I flipped through the newspaper, and you know, several of the strips on the comics page are acknowledging the... George Washington's birthday.
1: I haven't read my comic strip yeah, yet. but I
2: found absolutely nothing in the text pages of the paper, the local paper. I'm of course not. That, but, uh,
1: Can I uh, say something uh, that, uh, that really hits me in this day and time with George Washington? George Washington was not one of these people that wanted to stay in political prominence for a long time. He wanted to get it started... That's a, I get so angry when I think about people who downgrade some of our early political leaders but he was he was a fascinating man and and, and we talk about term limits for congressmen and 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 people in in the president's uh, place he was against that
2: Yeah he's uh, he said 8 years is enough and for over 100 years that was carefully observed Yeah Yeah
1: I mean he was special And he wasn't getting into it to make himself rich and his family rich or anything like that. They wanted to get the country started, and we have been the beneficiaries of people like George Washington for all that he did for our country.
2: Well, February 22nd, you know, February, we're told, is a month time in which we are encouraged to... Focus on our shared civil rights history. Mm -hmm. And in Tennessee, February 22nd is, in my opinion, probably the most important or significant date uh, in emancipation history in in this area, Rutherford County, Tennessee. And uh, given that that's the case, and we've mentioned this every year for the last several years, but I wanted to kind of walk through a thumbnail history of emancipation as it comes down Mm -hmm. to Rutherford County ultimately and I'm talking about American history, our shared common history. And uh, the first evidence that I find that I would include in a history of emancipation is in the uh, northern colonies before the revolution and immediately after the revolution Uh, Central Park in New York City was a plantation and had slaves working the plantation up to that time. Mm -hmm. When the colonial leadership decided that uh, slavery would be banned in the colony, they did it gradually so that the slave owners had opportunity to uh, adjust the circumstances without being economically uh, hurt badly. And what many of them did, and I have specifically read about the individual who had the farm in that downtown, it's now downtown New York City, he shipped his slaves down to the southern states Mm. or to other areas, including Maryland, for example, uh, where either they went to work for uh, other uh, agricultural uh, areas. Uh, or were resold or something, so that they, they, the colonies, primarily the New England area, avoided any real severe financial impact. They were given time to recoup their their losses when slavery was outlawed.
1: Did he give them training on uh, a way to uh, um, become successful in other areas? Uh,
2: some may have gotten some training, but it was not at the initiative of the colonial governments at the time. I was going to say those that did not uh, were not sent south uh, and became freedmen uh, were encouraged and in some cases helped financially to return to Africa or to other colonies where they were being welcomed, one of which was in Nova Scotia up mm. in Canada. And uh, particularly right after the uh, Revolutionary War, a number of the freedmen, former slaves, uh, had joined with the Loyalists, the Tories, the bad guys, we might say. Mm -hmm. And so they were looking for a place to uh, migrate to, and they went to Nova Scotia. The weather there was not particularly appealing. Uh, But uh, some of them went from there and some went directly from the northern colonies to a uh, small state in western Africa called Sierra Leone, it's still on the map, Mm -hmm. it's a a separate country now. It had been set up by the British as a place for the freed uh, uh, slaves to migrate to, and in fact they were funded frequently get there so they could return to Africa, Mm -hmm. and they were coming from all over the British Empire at the time, the colonies, the British colonies. Uh, That's the first evidence I find in the American history of of emancipation, even though it was uh, handled in a way that we would probably find uncomfortable today. The second brings us up quickly to the Civil War period. In the District of Columbia, April 1862 was when the slaves in the District of Columbia were emancipated. And in fact, the District of Columbia government today recognizes, I believe it's April 16th, as eman- as, as the district's Emancipation Day mm-hmm. and their observances. Interesting though that this was a compensated emancipation. The slave owners, were paid by the federal government uh, up to $300 per slave when they were emancipated. Uh, I can see that uh, an effort to be consistent with the Constitution, which says no taking without compensation. Uh, And Lincoln, he did sign the Act of Congress, it was done through Congress. But he first objected because he was of the opinion that that should be done by referendum and give the citizens of the District of Columbia the right to vote to approve this emancipation or not. Congress said no and went ahead and adopted the Congressional Act, and he signed it. Interesting though, not only was there compensation for the slave owners, but every freedman who was uh, willing to return to Africa, was given $100. $100 back then was a pretty good substantial amount to pay for his, for the relocation.
1: So the slaves would not go back to their particular homeland. They are going to Africa, but it may have not been...
2: Well, by then we had a second colony set up by interest in the United States called Liberia. Yeah. And... Uh, They had, I'm sure, opportunity to go to either Sierra Leone or Liberia, Mm -hmm. depending. Uh, But that was the District of Columbia emancipation. So in April of each year, uh, the district government has a day off and uh, recognizes the D.C. emancipation. Uh, The next thing that I think uh, is very significant in, in our thumbnail history is in August, 1862, dated August 22nd. Lincoln wrote to his very close friend, Horace Greeley. and We've talked about this, but let's fit it in here in this this history. Greeley was a newspaper publisher, founder of the New York Tribune. Mm -hmm. He also was one of the founders of the Republican Party. And in 1860, he was responsible for getting the nomination of Lincoln for president. So this is someone Lincoln owed a great deal to. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But Lincoln wrote to him on August 22, 1862, and was addressing the question of why are we in this war? And Lincoln said, and I'm quoting directly from that letter, My paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union and is not either to save or to destroy slavery. If I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save the Union by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could do it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would also do that. So Lincoln set out three options in August of 1862. What's particularly interesting and significant is a month later, in September 1862, he issued his first proclamation and of the three options, he apparently picked option number three.
3: Mm.
2: Because in his September 1862 proclamation, he said, All slaves in states that are in rebellion still on January 1, 1863, I will free. Mm. Except I will not free those in any other Areas, so he picked his op- his own option three. I'm going to free some of the slaves, but not all the slaves, and in that way, hopefully, affect the outcome of the uh, secession, the war. Uh,
1: so I wonder if his uh, statue in Washington would be there if people knew all the history that went on during those particular. Well, uh, we we let the media make too many decisions on on those type of uh, historical, uh, you might say, promotions into those particular areas.
2: Well, the September 1862 proclamation was laying the groundwork for what he was threatening to do on January 1. Yeah. And he essentially, if you look at what he said, he says, if the states will withdraw their secession, and end the hostilities. Yeah, I'm not going to touch the slaves. Yeah. Uh, when we get to January 1, 1863, clearly uh, most of the all but one of the seceding states uh, was still very much in rebellion. Mm-hmm. And in uh, on the January 1 date, Lincoln issues his follow-up proclamation, which said. Uh, the slaves in these states still in rebellion will, going forward, be free. Now, of course, he couldn't enforce it at that point because those states were acting independently. Uh, But he made exception even then. He made a complete exception for the state of Tennessee, did nothing to affect the slaves in Tennessee. And he says that specifically in the proclamation on January 1, which has come to be called the Emancipation Proclamation. He says, we're not going to touch the slaves in Tennessee. They continue in their status. And he also did not address the slave states that were not in secession, such as Kentucky, uh, Maryland, uh, and uh, Missouri, where they were still slaves. so really, the January 1863 accomplished no emancipation. Did have a, what would you say, a morale effect? Yeah. Uh, at that time. Now, the next date that I think is very significant is today, February 22nd,
1: 1865. Uh, let me tell the caller that's uh, waiting that we'll be right back with him, but we don't want to interrupt this particular part.
2: All right, February 22nd, 1865. Was the day that the voters in a referendum mm-hmm. approved amendment to the Tennessee State Constitution? The amendment had been proposed and supported by Governor Andrew Johnson, mm-hmm. a later president. Yeah, uh, and it essentially and very effectively said uh, slavery is illegal in Tennessee. Yeah, February 22nd which gives Tennessee some distinction. It's the only state that seceded that freed its own slaves and ended slavery on its own uh, as an act of the state legislature and the voter in Tennessee. So February 22nd is Tennessee Emancipation Day and uh, is a unique uh, status that uh, we really ought to make more note of here in Tennessee and in Rutherford County because slavery was legal in Rutherford County until the state constitution was uh, amended on February 22nd, 1865. And it's a vote of the voters, and not everybody was voting at that time because there still was a war going on. But uh, a majority of the people in Tennessee ended slavery on February 22nd, 1865. Slavery continued in a number of other states and in the other states of the Confederacy until the end of the war.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. You, I've never heard that history taught in, in our classrooms.
2: Well, two other dates that would be significant June 19th, uh, which is frequently referred to as Juneteenth, and uh, I'm afraid a lot of those celebrating don't understand. That was the day that the Army, the U.S. Army, Uh, arrived in Galveston, Mm -hmm. Texas, and told the people of Texas that the war is over. The Confederacy no longer exists. You lost the war. And uh, all the slaves in this state, since it stayed in rebellion, are freed. And in Texas, that would be the date consistent with uh, the February 22nd in Tennessee. And uh, there are a number of observations, particularly in Texas. Uh, for that June date and then finally late in 1865 the 13th Amendment and the 13th Amendment finally ended slavery in those states such as Kentucky that were not part of the Confederacy yeah. so there's a rolling kind of history of emancipation but uh, I would hope that at some point Tennessee begins to recognize that February 22nd George Washington's birthday coincidentally is the date of emancipation
1: in Tennessee. That's a great message. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Hey guys. Caller, Greg Tucker is waiting for you.
2: I'm not hearing anything.
1: No. Uh-oh, he hung up. Or she. Uh, you're welcome to call back, caller.
2: Tomorrow is an interesting anniversary as well.
1: Uh-oh. Uh, well, let's, let's take a quick break. Oh, let's and give take them time, break. time to right. uh, get things for uh,
0: ready for them. From NHC's Adams Place...
4: Rapid COVID testing now in Murfreesboro. Do you need a rapid COVID test? Low T Center in Murfreesboro now has drive-through rapid COVID testing on Mondays, all day, 8.30 until 5.30, every Monday through February 22nd. No appointments necessary and it's only $60, with the results back in less than 30 minutes. COVID testing is available for all adults, men and women 18 and older. Low T Center, near the Avenue, at 2855 Medical Center Parkway, across the street from Rooms to Go.
5: Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on site rehabilitation.
1: Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Enjoy gentle joint exercise in the indoor pool, our soda shop, and many planned
4: activities and trips for every taste. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. This is Ryan Hall. When the unexpected happens, Fair Construction can help you whether there's a vehicle in your business or your home that's not supposed to be there. It's in the news. A car through the front door. We can board it up where the place is secure and deal with your insurance company to get it back to its previous condition. When the unexpected happens, call Fair Construction Company. This is Ryan Hall with Fair Construction. Call 615-893-6120.
0: Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Catalytic converter thefts are
5: back in the local news. Murfreesboro police detectives are investigating a rash of them dating back to December. The latest reported on February 19th at 31W Insulation and Quality Enclosures on South Park Drive. Police say they believe as many as three people are involved in the thefts. Suspects have been seen leaving in a white vehicle, but the make and model number have not been confirmed. If you have any information that could be helpful in solving the case, please contact police, who to call, and their number posted on WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County Health Department's website shows that persons age 65 and older are now eligible to receive COVID-19 vaccinations. In addition, Phase 1B is also in effect for staff members of kindergarten through 12th grade schools and child care facilities. Get more eligible residents vaccinated. Rutherford County Mayor Bill Ketron has set up a phone bank Where you can talk with somebody who will help you set up a vaccination appointment. When a vaccine comes in, we need to be putting in somebody's arms as quickly as possible. At this rate right now, it's going to be three years before we get everybody inoculated in this county. The number to call to reach Rutherford County's COVID-19 vaccination phone line and when to call is on our website, wgnsradio.com. Smoke could be seen for miles as Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue crews were called early Sunday morning to Kingwood Apartments on East Kingwood Drive. Smoke was pouring out of Building B and all residents in the building were displaced. The Red Cross is working with them. No injuries were reported and the Fire Marshal's Office is investigating. Socialize with us on social media. Just log on to Facebook.com slash WGNS Radio and click the like button. And when news breaks, we tweet it at WGNS Radio.
0: I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSradio.com. We are News Radio WGNS.
5: At Heritage South Community Credit Union,
1: we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work, or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website,
4: HeritageSouth.org, to learn more. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing lender. Hey guys, I wanna encourage you to make your health a priority this year. Brand new year, I should say. It's easier than you think at Low T Center. They are reinventing the doctor's visit, making it quick and easy to get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone levels. They offer a comprehensive health assessment so that you know all the numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, have a lack of motivation and drive, maybe you noticed weight gain and a loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or sleep apnea. Low T-Center will help determine the cause of your symptoms and will help you get back to feeling your best. It all starts with a quick and easy health assessment, and that's covered by most health insurance. Low T-Center is concierge medicine exclusively for us men, and they now offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety that also include taking home a blood pressure monitoring cuff. Self-inject at-home treatments are 135 a month for self-pay, or covered by most health insurance. To schedule your assessment, go to LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see skies becoming mostly sunny this afternoon with a high into the upper 40s. Winds out of the west of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly Clear low near 31. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 45.
5: Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for show times for Premier Six Theater. They're now open.
0: From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. I don't feel like it. There's the guy with the white hair. There's the guy <laughs>
1: with the white hair. And welcome back with Greg Tucker. And uh, first caller, uh, welcome aboard with us. Good morning. Good morning. Is this Casey?
6: This is, uh, this is Dr. Steve Murphy with the Sam Davis Memorial Association.
1: Oh. Hey, Steve.
6: Hey, Greg. How are you? Um, All right. I hope it's, it's okay if I have a couple of comments, questions about your, uh, um, your presentation from two weeks ago um, on the five things that are usually not told about the Sam Davis story.
2: Yeah, I picked, up, I picked up the style from the sports pages. Okay.
6: So, so um, I um, wanted just to point out a couple things and ask you a couple questions. Uh, uh, and I did get more detail uh, if people want to go and look at the, um, my comments in the podcast uh, from two weeks ago. But uh, first I wanted to thank you for rejoining the Sam Davis Memorial Association. And, um, you still hear me, Greg?
2: Very vaguely, Steve. I'm straining to, You're to you.
6: You're having trouble hearing me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll try to speak up. I'm speaking from my office phone. And, um, I've got the volume turned down on the computer. So, um, can you hear me okay now? I'm better. Okay. Well, um, again, thanks for rejoining the Sam Davis Memorial Association and, and, um, I was glad to hear that you had done that. Um, I had a couple questions about the five points you made on Sam Davis' story. Uh, um, the first one kind of surprised me. You, you said that uh, Sam did not leave alone that night uh, the last time he left home, that perhaps uh, Coleman Davis Smith was with him. Uh, I'd, I'd like to know your source on that because um, uh, Coleman Davis Smith is kind of a shadowy character. Um, um, may well have been Sam's playmate. Uh-huh. And such. Um, But can you tell me what
2: your source was on that? Yeah, my source is I don't have the notes in front of me specifically, but he was interviewed. He, Coleman, was interviewed by, uh, on at least two occasions, uh, one of them by an attorney uh, some years after the war, of course. Right, I'm well well aware of those. uh, About uh, his claim. And, uh, the claim was being made in connection with his application for a pension. That's uh, correct. He that was granted right. the pension, and the attorney's notes uh, gave credibility. So, right, you know, the yeah, whole I know thing, you, the, you, the whole thing did. may be a maybe a story made up by Davis, but uh, in terms of credibility, the the lawyer's interview. Uh, which was very much a cross-examination, uh, convinced the lawyer that there was truth to the story.
6: Right, right. But again, uh, we're not sure that really, that that this this uh, young man was with Sam that night and left with him or basically rode with him as a courier all the time. Um, and um, it, I well, wish we had more detail. I wish um, they had yeah. interviewed him more and... and um, But, but of course, he passed away before they could talk to him again in the Memphis area, I believe. And so um, another thing that you pointed out, uh, Greg, was about the John C. Kennedy story. And when when he went to Nashville to get passes to go pick up Sam's body, um, you said that a slave laborer may have been with him when he went. You didn't mention Sam's younger brother, Oscar, though, because we do have that documented that Oscar went with him to pick up Sam's body if
2: it was there well when he went to Nashville I assumed he was acting individually then and uh, we found that the uh, general heading the occupation of Nashville was a family friend of the Kennedys uh, so you know he had special access there and that's part of that was but partly what, Kennedy's role in Tennessee at the time was working with the Union Army. So he clearly was what I would call a Yankee collaborator.
6: Well, right, I think we could agree on that. Um, I just, uh, I know that if you, I know you rely heavily on many of the things you said, uh, James Solomon's book and, um, um, you made some other comments about the, the records about Grenville Dodge had come out in the last couple of years, but actually um, uh, that had been about eight years ago because um, that's when yeah. Solomon's book was published.
2: Yeah, eight um, years ago is recent to me.
6: It was recent to you, okay. <laughs> yeah,
2: All when right. you get into your mid-70s, Steve, you'll appreciate that.
6: I understand. I'm headed there. I'm in my 60s now, but anyway... Um, So I just wanted to ask you mostly about those things. I appreciate your your, um, paying attention, working with Sam Davis' story some more. And um, I don't know whether um, uh, Mike Waller had called in or not. Today I was commuting and didn't hear the first part of the broadcast, but um, the um, situation with the dam right now uh, still rests with the National Army Corps of Engineers. Um, I know when the Rutherford County School Board... um, Um, did give us their approval. It was contingent. That was in early January. Contingent on the Army Corps of Engineers um, uh, um, basically overruling the the second determination of the Tennessee Historical Society. The first one was in favor of the dam being removed. The second one differed with that. So um, when I spoke to the Uh, school board about this...
2: If we lose the uh, dam, I hope we get substantial compensation to the budget of the memorial association
6: well i think we will um and that would be you know following the rules that go along with that process which are very well known uh that would be seven years in the future and as i as i joked with the school board about this i was i said i'll be nearing retirement at that point but um anyway that's that's the way that process works and and uh, I'm not sure that mr. Walter understood that but but uh, I hope he'll also join the Memorial Association and maybe uh, maybe you can re- renew your membership at a higher level next year if the price account will go up
2: <laughs> we will um, consider
6: all right sir well I'll thank I'll, you for uh, calling in you're welcome goodbye
1: All right, I think we still have another caller. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Uh
6: Yeah, I'm not Casey. My name is Joe Peebles.
3: Oh, okay, Joe.
6: Okay, I've been listening to your program this morning, and I want to know how do your guests know so much about black history, about hanging, slaves, slavery, I mean. He He's he no more black history than he got out yet. We don't leave to <laughs> uh, makes much, But he, he got his all his stuff patted down. Well, we did this in the 18th, and blah, 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 blah et cetera, et cetera. But let me ask him how he knows so much about black
2: history. Well, first off, I don't give uh, history a classification by color. It's a common history of uh, our local community, our state, our country, uh, our world. Uh, We're all in it together. Uh, February has been uh, designated as the time for us to focus on that common history relating to civil rights emancipation. And I rely on the uh, record Interestingly enough, I think everything I referred to except for the colonial history, I've actually held copies of the original documents, the Congressional Act, the letter to Horace Greeley, uh, the the September 1st Proclamation. Those things are available and can be read and studied by whoever wanted to show the interest and, and try to be educated. So I'd stand absolutely on the information there. And I acknowledge that the uh, colonial history that I was giving is more anecdotal. Uh, You know, people who wrote and commented on it, but were not uh, the actual documents uh, establishing it. But the District of Columbia Emancipation, look it up. It's a congressional act signed by Abraham Lincoln. The Greeley letter, you can find that in Bartlett's familiar oh, quotations, yeah, Horace Greeley. And the so called, because it was not named that at the time, the yeah. so called Emancipation Proclamation. Sit down and read that line you know, by line. We, we know that. And you'll discover we that know. in September 1862, <laughs> d- know uh, that, know that, Lincoln bro. actually issued the first part of it. in 1863, it's specifically, by its language, excludes Tennessee, as well as other parts of Virginia and Louisiana. Uh, it's there. We can all study it and we, be advantaged. We by it. And uh, February, anyway, the reminder that this is a good time I just for want us to focus on well,
7: like not
2: coincidental, right. it may well be okay. in part My influenced man. by Tennessee's amendment of its constitution on this day. In 1865.
1: Did you hear that? I heard a lot of conversation going on while you were uh, trying to explain to him where the history of of all the things that you were relating back uh, came from. And I kept hearing conversation. uh, So I'm not sure you, you were being listened to. Well, when we
2: talk both at the same time, neither one can be heard.
1: <laughs> no, I think there's a conversation going on otherwise in a group. But anyway, um, you work very, very hard at trying to make history uh, as accurate as possible. You always have. And it's always been a um, a very, uh, not just a... Uh, an education process to clarify all the things. You know, a lot of history is not um, explained as exactly as it happened, and, and that's a that's a shame because uh, you and I, we grew up uh, uh, believing everything that we heard that happened from the beginning of our country to up to the. The date that we are in now, well, and, and a lot of people ha, uh, find it disturbing that the things that we've learned are not always what exactly happened.
2: Well, I remember being so disappointed when I learned that George Washington did not have wooden teeth, because that had actually gotten into uh, you know it was an anecdote originated many many years after Washington I actually had gotten into the history books. And, uh, you know, it was completely fictionalized. And probably the cherry tree story was also completely fiction.
1: Cherry is good wood. That would have made some great teeth if you think about it. Bless his heart.
2: Yeah, it is. When we visit, Last time I visited Mount Vernon, we went out around the area that had been the kitchen cooking area. And there's a mountain of a mountain, a little hill of oyster shells turns out he was very very fond of oysters because did not require much in the way of chewing
1: uh, and,
2: uh, uh, he did have some what we'd call dentures uh, they were not made of wood but he most of the time ate without using any of that
1: you remember how was George Washington when he was crossing the Delaware <laughs> I can check that for you, but I can't tell you right I now. can't imagine. Just the weather that we just went through yeah, here, I, I don't well. think I would have made it through it. Uh, it.
2: And I don't think he'd be standing up in a boat like the picture, not in the conditions. They you were know in.
1: what that reminds me of? Oh. The picture of him with his hand, you know, oh, up, up against it. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of when our General MacArthur returned it, 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 I don't know how many times they had to, to yeah. take that picture when he, when he was...
2: Yeah. As the son of a Marine who fought in the South Pacific, you're touching on sensitive ground now. MacArthur was not popular with the Marines who actually did the work. that time. Which brings me to another date we now, I want to acknowledge. Yeah. Tomorrow, Tuesday, February 23rd, is the day our boys raised the flag on Iwo Jima.
1: Oh, that! I can't watch that without tears just for coming into my eyes. We, what a great uh, moment that was! That
2: was, and of course, we know that. What, what is that, Mount see,
1: Sarabachi, Right?
2: Yeah. What you see on film was a second time. Yeah. Because uh, you know they they weren't posing for the cameras when they raised the flag. They were essentially claiming victory. And then uh, a photographer, a news photographer close by said, hey guys, we got to get this on film. Yeah, And they did it again for the camera. But it did happen, as is depicted. And uh, tomorrow, I'm sure, at the Marine Monument in Arlington, Virginia, there'll be a ceremony and a recognition of the incredible sacrifice that that one battle took of both sides. Of course... The Japanese had to be completely annihilated before yeah. we could claim victory. Uh, but there was a terrible loss there.
1: Are they going to show that on television, the ceremony?
2: I wish they would, but I don't know.
1: I mean, I would, of course, they're all gone, I'm sure, all the Marines that were part of that particular battle. There could be very few of them very at few. their age.
2: Yeah, there probably are some, but there would be very few.
1: I would love to see it raised by them again. I mean, it just, there's nothing in World War II that has more recognition, I guess, than the the raising of that flag. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And, you know, we talk about history and everything else, but we wouldn't have a history if it wasn't for our military it's amazing how much. Uh, we don't give them enough credit for what they've done. And, you know, you, you talk about our country. The military is made up of all ethnic groups from our country. And when they, when they were together and they fought together, there's, there's, there's no other nation that could even compare with them. And and when you think of our country and where, where it's been and where it is now, I, d- I don't think any other group stands out as much as those particular men and women, what they've done for our country. And I don't think that we give them enough credit. It's all... Uh, everybody's got their... Uh, uh, I was going to say another word, but I can't say it on the radio. But it... it, it They have, uh, um, people have got their rear ends up in a a wide right now over things that really aren't part of the framework of our country and where we are now. I'm not
2: sure what's going on and where it's going to go, but uh, I hope there will be some who appreciate the real history. And, uh, you know, it won't disappear completely. It's there in the record.
1: Yeah. But you were being questioned about where you get it, and it was almost a negative type question. Uh, and if, if people know you, they know how hard you work well, to get the real story out. The,
2: the questions about the black history, I've heard, and I hope he's still listening, I heard a little bit of, uh, you can't know about us. We're, you know, we're in charge of our own history. Yeah. And you've got no right to be out there talking about our history. I'm not talking about your history. I'm talking about the history that all of us are part of. Yeah. And uh, if we're going to start being defensive and protective because we want to write our own history, that's that's where we make mistakes.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of that that has yeah. become part of the media.
2: My style... Uh, If anyone out there has been in the practice of law, first time I wrote a brief, I put in my opinion and argued my opinion. And I was still in school. This was an academic exercise. And uh, the professor blew me away. He says, your opinion uh, has absolutely no legal value. You've got to tell me where in the record you've got you know, support Mm -hmm. for this position, whatever. And, uh, you know, don't come in here arguing what you believe. Come in here with your facts, your citation, your proof. And, uh, you know, uh, eventually I had occasion to write uh, briefs that went to the Supreme Court to contribute to them. And uh, you didn't go in there arguing what you believed. You had to go in there with... Uh, based upon specific data, specific uh, uh, information. And it's got to be from the record or from a court, or it carries no weight.
1: All right, uh, we have another caller. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker.
2: Hey, we've got a guest, too, that we might want to give a few <laughs> minutes to. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Yes, Can
1: good you morning. hear them? Uh, You I were hear talking nothing. about Sam
7: Davis and the man who was supposed to have been with him when he was
1: captured. Hello? Uh, we're ha- having a hard time. Hey guys, we're having a hard time picking that up.
2: Why don't we go ahead and invite Mike Waller to yeah. come sit with us, and uh, if time permits.
1: I uh, did miss. I did hear the the name Sam Davis. Caller, uh, are you still there? Can't. Yeah. Lost. Hello. Yes, I can barely hear you. Well, I'm talking as loud as I can directly into the phone. Sorry. Uh, There's a man in Giles County who has studied Sam Davis up and down, and he's written about him and about the man who was supposed to have been with him. Uh, He could call him and talk to him about this if he'd like. His name is Dan Watson, and he works in the old records department at the courthouse.
7: Nine
1: three one three six three eight four three four. If you if you guys at the radio sh- station, can you hear her better than we can?
2: I I hear absolutely nothing.
1: Okay. I'm sorry, hon. We're we're having a hard time picking you up.
6: Okay. Thanks.
1: Thank you we got a disconnection somewhere. Hey, Mike Waller. Good morning, sir. How, How are you?
7: Good? Very well. Very well. You're looking chipper. Well, I've had a lot of rest for the last week. <laughs> Couldn't do anything <laughs> I else. hadn't done much in the last week. No
1: show, uh, snow shoveling at no, all? No,
7: not a bit. Not a bit. I decided to let Mother Nature take care of it. And she did. I waited it out. Yeah? <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't have any service calls. or.
1: Did you hear all the conversation before?
7: I have. Okay. All right. It's good.
2: Well, have you had occasion to uh, keep up to date on what's going on with with, uh, Sam Davis Dam? You
7: know, I have. uh, I took on the project of doing some research and trying to talk to some people about this interagency review team uh, that is set up of different, primarily federal agencies, uh, to consider the application. Uh, As has been most of my communications with the Department of Environment and Conservation, getting good information out of them has been difficult. They finally sent me a list of the agencies, but they, they didn't even put a name or a phone number with it. And, of course, when I, when I asked them about it, <clears throat> they said, well, people turn over so much uh, that we didn't know who to send it to, so we just sent it to the agency. Well, yeah. you know, to call the Environmental Protection Agency in Atlanta, Georgia, and about ask questions about the Tennessee interagency review team uh, is like looking for a needle in a haystack. But I did, I did find a couple of them, and I did talk to a gentleman with the Corps of Engineers, and learned that they are the proponent, if you will, and the keeper of the books on the interagency review team. And learned about a section 106, Greg, of the National Historic Preservation Act. You got a pen. And this section 106, uh, in just a few words, in layman's terms, uh, means that any time there's a anything of historical significance, they have to review it. Mm-hmm. And in this case, as you recall, uh, the, the first documents provided by the Tennessee Historical Commission basically concurred with the destruction of the dam. Uh, but as you pointed out to them, it was based on some erroneous information. So they reversed their uh, they reversed their position. And that was what prompted me to go track down this interagency review team to to try to make sure that those entities were aware of the change of opinion from the Tennessee Historical Commission. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I've just learned about uh, an entity called the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, which is a federal body. Uh, eight, of we, eight of the 23 members of this council are appointed by the President of the United States. And there are uh, persons by position, such as the Secretary of Defense sits on this council. And they supposedly meet periodically and look at these uh the historical significance of some of these these projects so from what i understand now uh this uh, this american council on historical preservation is where this is ultimately gone so i guess smyrna's gonna be known in washington about the the sam davis dam this guy that i spoke with he, he wouldn't even speculate Uh, when they might meet, much less make a rendering on it. But it has gone to a tremendously high level, it appears to. uh Uh, You have immersed yourself in
2: federal bureaucracy, and I admire your courage.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's been an education, and uh, it can be very frustrating as well. But at least we know Knowledgeable people and historians at, at that level are considering what's going on here. Yeah, so that's to me. That's that inviting. makes
1: you feel good.
7: Well, it does in a sense. I mean, I I know it. The wheels up there move very slow. Yes. Uh, you know, so who knows when when they will make a rendering? Uh, I don't know how long they've had it. Uh, they couldn't have had it very long. You know it, it, it's what you've
1: done it, it, and you and Greg, has made a big difference in how these things will probably be handled in the future, I hope.
7: I would like to think they would it, would do a little more research and look into the background and the consequences uh, rather than just signing off on something without any question. But uh, you know, most of these people that we're dealing with in most cases have been working from home yeah ever, ever since this came up i mean uh, the the public comment period was a, a year ago this month and about a year ago next month is when we started quarantining and working from home so yeah you know it's like several of these people that I spoke with said you know I'm pulling this from memory and i have part of my records here on the computer but not everything and uh in the case of tennessee i mean not tennessee the federal uh fish and wildlife service they have a regional office in cookville and it just so happened the day i called that number a lady by the name of colleen who's the office manager just happened to be in the office checking the mail she said mm-hmm. i don't come by but once a month and today was the day and uh she pulled up in her computer, and, and we looked under every source we could think of uh, except the Corps of Engineers. I failed to ask her about the Corps of Engineers to see if it might have been registered under them. Mm-hmm. I have sent her an email since uh, asking her to do so. We could, she couldn't find anything in her system about a interagency review team. Now, she's, she she's aware of it, and she knew about it. But uh, nothing about the, the Sam Davis Dam. So. Isn't
1: it funny how much money can be passed through with very little knowledge of anybody in the public knowing what in the world is going on? Well, that's right. That's exactly right.
7: And, you know, thank you for your interest and and uh, taking time with with Greg and I and, you know, expressing your feelings. And, you know, it's... Uh, you know, the interest is growing in our community. Uh, I've got some friends now that refer to me as Damn Mike. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hope they spell that with just three letters. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah. Well, I hadn't, I hadn't received any correspondence, so I'm not sure. But uh,
1: You know, one thing that's real positive, what you just said, though, is more people are becoming interested in the Sam Davis uh, uh home and, sure. and all that's over there yep. that are really prominent factors that that are in our
7: community oh yeah 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 there's there's a uh, you know I don't num- know the number of uh, members they have in their association I understand they've just got one new one uh, but uh, there, there's you know it's a lot of a lot of pride in the Sam Davis home in yeah. the community uh, do they still have Weddings over there? Well, I'm sure they do. I, I, periodically driving by, they'll, you'll see photographers out in front of the, the gates yeah. down at rock wall. It's a beautiful place. That's just what I see driving by. I, I, I don't drive into the home uh, very often, but I, I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, uh, receptions. I, I know there's a group of uh, friends that I've got that... that Play their string instruments over there on Wednesday oh, afternoons. Oh, I've been over there. On the when Jackie
1: was still okay. alive, I, yeah. we'd go over there and listen to them.
7: Yeah, yeah. Paul Lamb and uh, Derek Rayburn, and, uh, different ones. And then occasionally, they I hadn't done it last year or two, but uh, I guess they haven't done it since the plane crash. But they, they have a, a league of old timey baseball players <laughs> that, that have competitive. Teams that yeah. play around different locations, and and I can r- recall going. Uh, uh, and matter of fact, they were playing ball out in the same field where the, the jet plane crashed. So, mm. uh, but you know they they have all kinds of activities. I wonder if I could get on one of those teams. Uh, I don't know. Probably so. Probably
1: there,
2: so. There
1: is an age limit. There is an age limit. Yeah, they don't want any accidents. <laughs> I think I could still swing a bat. I don't know how many things would come apart when I swing, but I think I could still do it. Well, they dress, they dress
7: up in the era uniforms, and you know they'll have different nicknames. I'm sure you've read the, the Tennessee, and has has written several articles times past about it. But uh,
1: it's a great historical town, period, isn't
7: it? It is. I mean, look what is. all they've got. Well, I mean, it's right right there. In,
1: the it's air base. Look at look at the air base and what it's meant to our country for oh, all these sure, years. Sure, sure. I love that place. I really do. Yeah. It's it's amazing. So where do we stand on this now? I guess it's
7: just to wait and see. Uh, yeah. I I don't think it doesn't appear that it's important as important to reach out to this interagency review team. Mm-hmm as I thought it was before learning about them sending the, the, the letter from the Historical Commission to Washington. Yeah. So I, I, it appears to me and what I gather it's, it's pretty much in their hands uh, what the decision is and uh, they're not on any timeline. Uh, of course I mentioned I think that I think eight of the appointees or eight of the uh, members of this commission are presidential appointees. Well, with the new administration, I don't know if they've worked their way down to that level of appointees yet, you know. So, uh,
2: they're working on the uh, attorney general today. I believe he's appearing uh, the nominee for the attorney general. Yeah. So, yeah. they're a yeah. long way from Secretary of Agriculture it. tomorrow. Mm. So Yeah, they're um, a long way from it, but we'll see how quickly it goes. Yeah. Now they, but they're they,
1: taking it very seriously, it seems like. And if they do a a good investigation on uh, what all this place uh, has been able to do and why it was set up the way it is, maybe things will be a little bit more
7: clear for us. I think so. I think so. Of course, that's all due entirely to to Griggs' research and the letter letter he wrote uh, back last summer, Um, again correcting some of the misgivings and the incorrect information that they had Earlier been provided. It's good to have a Washington
1: attorney, isn't it? Yes, sir. And he's a fine one. He clear. I, he clarifies everything I, for us. I've seen him in action. <laughs> look at him. Look at there. His face is getting red. I mean, oh, I, are you talking about?
2: I, <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking? about? I'm sorry. I was. Yeah. Del- oh
1: yeah, yeah. We start a conversation just like I'm not even gonna get into that. Do, do we? Are, uh, do we need to have? Any more information given to us this morning? That's,
7: that's all I know, Okay, Truman, right now. That's, that's the most current that I'm aware of. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Truman. Thank you, Greg. Good night,
1: Mike. Good night, Greg. We'll see you in the morning at 9.05.